this is a cheers to just the abstract concept of dedication. Uh, it mm. is an ice storm outside. Mm-hmm. The weather is getting worse <laughs> even as we speak. And like the brave heroes of the Shackleford expedition, we have journeyed here to drink anyway. So that ended well. This will too. To dedication. Mm-hmm. 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 And beer. <laughs> Hey, everybody. I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is The Mix Six, where we have six conversations while drinking six beers and rating them on a five-point scale, and occasionally inviting people to brave the snowy abyss uh, to get here and guest with us. And so that's why we have Rob here today. Hi, Hello. Rob. Uh, Rob's back. We actually debated back, if, baby. if we should bring Rob back, because Rob's so outpaced. Whatever... <laughs> Whatever enjoyability we could create on the podcast in in a single story. The upside is I have not been kidnapped by Hungarian gangsters since the last time we spoke. That's an upside for you and us. I will wreck your curve less. Right, right. Um, So we were like, I don't know, should we? Because like we don't want people to be like, well, just be Rob. Um, But you know what? It's totally worth it. Uh, He's here. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with Rob or you haven't listened to what is probably our most popular episode of all time, make sure that you check out um, our Chobi episode, which happened in late 2017, early 2018. Yeah. Um, and be sure to check out the Orpheus Protocol, which is Rob's uh, RPG, which is in progress. Is that how we would describe that? Yes, very much so. Uh, hopefully coming to Kickstarter this spring. It's Things are looking on track so far, so there's lots of opportunity for things to go crazy before then, <laughs> but... You know, I'm, I'm looking over at Caleb, and he has this this <laughs> sort of hollowed out, dead look in his eyes. Yard stare. Yep. Uh, yeah. But yep. but yeah, hopefully this spring. We're Ca- Caleb has things can go wrong tattooed on both his chest and his back. Mm-hmm. So you've you've really you've That's really so latched onto a thing for him there. <laughs> um, hey, uh, we are maybe going to be some places in the next couple of months, and so if you have an opportunity, come find us. Uh, in June, we'll be at Origins in Columbus. In August, we'll be uh, in Indianapolis for Gen Con. And, uh, yeah, and Rob's going to be there. And we've got a Mix 6 Live show, yes? We're, yeah, this well, is the plan. Once they right, open up right. events, we will The plan it. is to have another Mix 6 yeah. Live event. Also, uh, in September, we'll be right here in Springfield, Missouri for Moon City Con, which was really one of our favorite events of last year. And at the time of this release, my assumption is that the Kickstarter for the Moon City Con 2019 is still running. So if you have any interest in coming to play games with us or drink beers with us or do whatever for three days in Springfield in September. That is currently the only way to get your tickets, so be sure to check out the Kickstarter from Moon City Con. And after all of that, we can now get to the the core of our work. Yes. Which is talking about things and drinking other the things. The task at hand. And so on every episode, we rate the six beers that we consume on a five-point rating system. A one is the worst thing you've ever had, and a five is the best thing you've ever had. Caleb, you have made today's rating system, so please enlighten us. <clears throat> I like to think of what we do here as more of a crusade, really. And in light of the gravitas that task demands. I'm for it. I'm going to rate characters based off Empire Records, because mm-hmm. yeah, I watched that last night, and so <laughs> I'm just going to do a one to five rating of All characters right. in that show. Uh, so, number one, it's got to be Rex Manning. He's a real piece of trash. Album's bad. It's kind of rapey and gross. He's got a bad haircut. He's obviously the heel of it. No one likes Rex Manning. So that's a one. That's a beer you never want to have. Again. Definitely don't want to have that beer. Uh, two is going to be Burko. Now, Burko says almost nothing for the entirety of the 
movie. However, he is played by an actual man whose actual name is Coyote Shivers. I don't believe that. You get a point <laughs> just for having a real name stupider than your character name, <laughs> even though you have no spoken lines. Uh, all right. So three is going to be Deborah, uh, shaved head. That's awesome. Disarms a man, uh, Warren ba- Beatty dur- at her own funeral. Like, who can say that they I, have done that? I That's can, pretty impressive. That. Uh, and you've not seen this movie, right? Because you're not. a terrible monster. Me yeah. either. That's a- what is wrong with... Oh, Who's the terrible God. monster now? Burko. You you two. Or Re- Coyote Shivers. Monstrosity yeah, Coyote Shivers. is a social construct. All I'm calling you the that rest if we of the team episode. up, we will find that he yeah. is, in fact, the monster. We've got this. Yeah. Uh, Mark, he's goofy, but the uh, scene where he drinks pot, eats, not drinks, eats pot brownies and then imagines himself as part of Guar, where Guar actually did a show to do that in the movie. And that's a four. A well, that's anything four. that involves Guar is automatically kind of yeah. Oh, no, now who's on board for <laughs> never seeing the movie? I thought you liked Guar. Wow, it's above oh. the fold. Uh, and then well, now that I've heard Guar's in it, I'm gonna fucking watch. The five's movie. gonna be Joe, surrogate father figure. Uh, doesn't fire any of his employees, even though they are all objectively terrible at their jobs. Uh, and he unionizes them and seizes the means of distribution. They don't make records there, but he does <laughs> actually buy the store and own it from the company. So Music Town can't huh. get it. Huh. It only took you like three minutes to get to a Marxist reference this time. So I feel like we've yeah. really grown here. Yeah, I've, I've learned restraint. Yeah, good for you. On that note, we're going to grab some beers. Rob's <laughs> up first, and we'll be right back with Dissecting Our Fun. Hey, Rob, what are you drinking? I am drinking Lagunitas Willitized Coffee Stout, which is a coffee stout, as you might guess, aged in rye barrels. And you brought this to us, yes? Yes, I did. It was actually given to me as a gift by my sister-in-law, and I thought the best way to get joy out of this gift would be to make it of use. We agree. In this program. Mm -hmm. To share This motherfucker is 12%. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, a little heavy it gets to start. in there. It, it does have a motor oil-like look to it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Quite viscous. Kind of hangs on the glass for a minute. But it <laughs> smells really so does. good. I will say, the nose on this is absolutely like, mm-hmm. I want an air freshener for my car <laughs> right. that smells exactly like this. Yeah, it's just so, I might just go spill a little of it yeah, in my yeah, car on those purpose. Those DUI so. checks are going to be really cops great. Cops love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love cops. Right. Yeah. No, I spilt this for aesthetic purposes, officer. I like the smell of booze. You don't understand. <laughs> Freedom of speech, motherfucker. Right. That's not uh, how that works. It's not how any of that works. Who can know, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're a sovereign citizen. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's actually admiralty law. If you're really look into it <laughs> i have um, registered my car as a land boat right uh scale from one to five uh how do we rate this beer okay so coffee stouts are an interesting point for me because i really like stouts mm-hmm. and i really like coffee mm-hmm. and i really like coffee stouts. that's good news it makes it a little harder to rate though because it takes a oh. lot to impress me yeah, sure. on one hand that seems fair but also a pretty bad coffee stout I'm still going to have a decent time with. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's kind of a gravity well on three yeah. uh, for coffee stouts with me. And I think that that's where this one probably lands. Yeah, uh, The nose is significant. It's a five nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, significantly better than the beer itself. But for being a 12 and being just bread in a glass yeah. that spilled some coffee on it somewhere, um, it's still drinkable. I would drink this. I would drink it. It... um. 
nothing about it is what I thought it was going to be. So aged in Willet barrels, that's great because I'm all in for that. 12%, yes. Coffee stout, yes. And then it's an okay beer. Um, mm. It's all of those things. I think and the it's okay. Willet might actually kill the coffee flavor a little bit. That may be There's it. A bit of I a con- smell the coffee, but yeah. I don't taste it. Right. There's uh, a bit of a conflict going on yeah. there. But that, it's that not, might it's, make it better for you because mm. you're not crazy about the coffees. You're right. Yeah, uh, I'm not wild about coffee, but right. uh, I'm still man on it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a three. Yeah, I it's think fine. the Willet and the alcohol I'm finish over, it like right, overpowers yeah. it a bit. I would yeah. happily drink more of it. Yeah. I mean, but I'm not going to go. I, I'm not going to go find it to buy. Probably. Yeah. Um, hey, we're into dissecting our fun, which, as you know, is typically our first segment. We talk about video games. We're doing, excuse me, board games. We're doing something a little bit different this time. Um, Caleb, what are we doing? Uh, so I figured we hadn't really played anything all together, right. so we bring back the mix six game jam. Um, so I am currently playing Apex Legends, and I know you will never download it or ever play a game with me again because it's not Destiny. That's probably right. But I figured as close as we could get would be sort of designing around the current craze in all of video games, which is the Battle Royale, and how do we bring this experience to the table? Um, So you've got to design a board game. It just has to have a Battle Royale theme or mechanic somewhere in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can theme it and make any mechanic you want so long as there is some sort of uh, battle royale component to it. What do you design? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so here's here's my first draft of the next best world's greatest game. All right. <laughs> so uh, we've been doing a lot of worker placement games lately. Uh, I don't know why. So I tried to figure out, is there a way to do battle royale? And worker placement, because those two things seem antithetical to say the least. But I think Mm -hmm. I've got an idea here. Okay, so imagine two boards. And on one board, which plays two to five players pretty well, could probably play up to seven or eight players, though. You're going to set up a hundred hex-style tokens in the same way that you might for a board for, like, Heaven and Ale. But the goal here is not just to play with the other two to five people sitting around the table, but to genuinely generate the idea of having 100 people playing the game. So you set up a hundred tokens, each face down. You know, two to seven of those tokens belong to the players, and the rest of those tokens belong to NPCs, all right? And you are in the middle, then, of either other players or other players and NPCs, somewhere in the middle of a bunch of these hex tokens. On a second board, then, is where you take actions, all right? So this board is functionally a map for what's happening. On the second board, this is where you take actions. Offense and defense are all worker placement variables. So on your first turn, you can place a worker in an offensive category to do damage to a hex around you. Mm-hmm. Or if you think someone has who's acted before you is going to do damage to you because they're close enough, you could take a worker placement action to take a defensive action to protect yourself from that damage. But there are a limited number of offensive and defensive spaces, mm-hmm. so you have to time how you do things. And as you take offensive actions and you kill people around you by flipping up their hex tokens, letting them know that they've taken damage or died, you get the pieces on the other side of the hex token that you can cobble together to use to unlock additional offense and defense worker placement spaces that only you have access to. So over time, your offensive attacks can be singular ranged or singular melee. And once you move up and kill enough people, then you're getting into area of effect stuff. You're getting hand grenades. You're getting things with longer range. And if other people are prioritizing movement or defensive actions in that worker placement phase, then they're not leveling up as much, but they're also harder to kill. And so it creates a real trade-off scenario, and it means that you constantly have to be paying attention to where other people are placing their workers so that you can make a strategic decision about whether to play offense or defense. Because part of the value, part of the fun of the Battle Royale is like you never know where it's coming from. Yeah. You just need to be ready for it. 
So it's a worker placement style tile based game where you have to take strategic actions which respond to the map around you. That's my mix six game jam submission <laughs> submitted like for your approval. Um, so what happens if you your character dies and like uh, can't like or do you take over one of the NPCs or um, I hadn't thought about that generally okay. in, a, in a in a battle royale no but okay. I also wonder like if you take enough defensive actions yeah. Um, as you level up, could you find, you know, like resurrection opportunities later down the, the worker placement line mm-hmm. so that you could come back? But you'd have to plan for that enough in advance that you took enough defensive actions I mean, to. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing is like if there's 100 characters total, yeah, like you, right. you could get aced pretty early. Here's the trick. The You're the only one. You the, the, the player characters are the only ones doing active damage, I think. Mm-hmm. Everything else is responsive. And uh, so you're not taking as much damage from other NPC tokens around the board. You're largely worried about the other people on the table. You have to spend time clearing NPC tokens so that you're ready to go to battle with other people around the table. Once it gets down to like that 10 people left type thing where you found the best gear, you found the best hiding places, now you're trying to end the match. I think I would put people in the shoes of NPCs after they die um, and make a scoring system that is based both on how many team switches you have had to do versus oh. the amount of kills oh, yeah. that you have You're had spectator. Or, or, right. or, or things like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that people like that. don't get locked out of playing. Right. But playing well still wins you the game yeah yeah that's a good um, idea something that i would add to this game possibly just because apex legends is really really good okay. you guys uh is <laughs> i would definitely have um bespoke characters with some sort of unique maybe once per game ability and like a passive ability or something like that, that that you would actually draft as players at the beginning like you array them and you pick uh, whether for teams yeah. or for solo play. Yeah. Uh, and I would consider having cards for both the equipment and customization of equipment That's because that I can started. add granularity right. to this whole thing. That's where I started. And then I realized like a couple minutes later, I just built Munchkin and I was like, oh no, I don't want to do that. Like I'd added, <laughs> right. I'd added cards for like customization. <laughs> well, and then I was like, well, we should probably add some dice rolls for randomness and see how fighting goes. I and think I was like, two, oh, I just built Munchkin. I think your okay. two maps does make it distinct from Munchkin. I certainly and hope it's, so. And it's also, you didn't describe rules mechanics-wise to me, a friendship destruction simulator. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's exactly right. I would not do that, probably. Maybe. Um, Caleb? All right. So, you're going to need to ship the game with a projector <laughs> that can be mounted on the ceiling. But oh. it's still going to be cheaper than container, so it's fine. <laughs> <clears throat> it's a deck builder, all right? It's called Streamers. So, you're not playing... Any character in a battle royale, you're playing playing people streaming battle royales. So you set up the board with the projector based on cards. So if it's like free to play, oh, we're going to play with more pieces because everyone's in here. Or if it's like, uh, oh, there's a moral panic about it. Well, it's going to have a bitter impact. So basically what you do, you turn on the projector. It's got a series of rings it projects on your table. Then you get two bags of likes and subscribes and you start dumping them onto the table. (laughs) But you can only get the likes and subscribes in the ring you're playing on in that turn. So sometimes you're like, gonna hang out. So your subscribes you use to pay off and get cards Mm -hmm. in the deck builder. And Mm -hmm. you play the cards to pick up more. Your likes you have to use to damage your toxicity. Because you're getting more subscribes by being a more awful human being. So, Mm. you know, racist reference. uh, Dumb hat. Uh, you know, said a horrible thing. Um, also boobs. Yeah, boobs. Uh, all all of Twitch is available to you in the deck, but you're really going to need those likes to combat it because yeah, if you, you go too gotta... far in toxicity, you won't get out of that. It's a balancing act. 
It's a balancing act, but then there's going to be mounds of like likes and subscribes you really want in certain rings, and maybe you're slow playing it until you get there. All right, maybe you're maybe you're saving your um, masturbates while the Trich stream is on card for that third ring because that's going to get you a ton of views and wow. subscribes. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's just about being a awful human being uh, that is desperate for attention uh, and clawing towards everyone else in the attention economy as it shrinks because the impact of the game is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So your ability to gain followers from your content (laughs) is going away, and that's the battle royale. And the person with the most likes and subscribes at the end wins, as your boy has told you in every stream video. But actually, the CEO of Twitch wins. (laughs) Yes. This took a turn (laughs) I did not expect. I... I'm not saying I wouldn't play that game frequently. <laughs> um, the projector might be a big ask, but I, I mean, but I think I, I think you should take a shot at people it. People sell Kingdom Death. I'm just saying <laughs> it'll be cheaper, right? It might be. Speaking <laughs> of boobs, yeah, 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 it might be. Um, okay, well, look forward to these games hitting Kickstarter in the next. I don't know what a month. You think it's what, yeah? How I, much I can handle it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, pop, sure. I'll bring one out right. Right, time. April at the latest. Yeah. Um, hey, on that note, we're gonna grab more beer and we'll be right back. What's uh, or excuse me, uh, what's your name now? Coyote Shivers. Yeah, Coyote uh, what, Shivers. What are, what are you drinking? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am drinking from Independence Brewing Company, Austin Amber Beer. Man, I hope Coyote Shivers isn't like an awful person in reality. I really just uh. saw the credits. I'm like, who plays Burko? That is amazing as a name. <laughs> Coyote Shivers. <laughs> he goes on the list for just that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm drinking the Independence Brewing Company's Austin Amber Beer. Was another one we got. I yeah. got back from Chris Farmer back in January. So. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Texas beers have been overwhelmingly. Yeah, it's a hell of a three face. Yeah, right. it's that is beer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is beer flavored beer. Yeah, tastes as if a beer happened. Yep, somewhere near me. Here's something I want to say about this incredibly kind gift that from Chris. Like a three, yeah. Right, yeah, v- which we very much appreciate and it was it was beautifully gift wrapped. I mean, it looked like yeah. it belonged in a gift shop package yeah. of beer. A couple of them tasted like did we have other cans we could put the same beer in? Yeah. And all of it is perfectly fine beer that looks different until you drink it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, that's a thing. I don't want to call it the like LaCroix of beer because I've had beer with weaker flavors. Yeah, LaCroix is great. So why would you do but that? But it's just, no, no, it's, oh, oh God. Oh God. Boy. Okay. Come on. Well, we're, all, we're, we're all wrong sometimes, guys. <laughs> yeah. Orange. <laughs> avocado. Um, hey, while Caleb drinks this. I would try the avocado one. Just I totally would. This one. beer. You already have. I yelled it. Oh, Quietly. no, you're right. Yeah. Oh, and I was yeah. drinking water yeah. at the time. <laughs> so you're right. I've had the exact experience. <laughs> This is a hard road to hoe, people. Um, we're into jukebox in the back. Um, we haven't talked about music in a hot minute. It feels like maybe we have. It's hard to remember anymore, if I'm being totally honest. But Greg Bennett had this excellent question, and it is topical because two nights ago, my mom went to see uh, Elton John in Kansas City during the Elton John farewell tour. And she'd never seen Elton John, which is kind of like miraculous because my mom feels like she's seen everybody. And she was just like going on about how great it was. And it got me thinking, man, you know, like, is that someone that I would go out of my way to see because it's the last time you could see them? And then Greg Bennett here has this question, as if the universe smiled upon us, what would your dream concert lineup be, include a headliner and at least two very special guests? So for me, 
reach through time here, right? Like whatever you want, pick that thing. So I think we should start with headliners and then we'll add guests. That would make the most sense Mm -hmm. to me, right? Okay. Um, Caleb, you want to start? Uh, so headliners is not a question for, it's going to be Bowie. It's going to be Bowie. We we know I can do anything I want. No one can stop me. It's Bowie. No one's going to stop you. I mean, Freddie Mercury, maybe because he's the only better choice, Uh, but it's fine. It's fine. We don't need to do this again. We don't need to do this again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can do it again. We don't need to do it again. I hate it when mom and dad fight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Bowie. Okay, great. Um, actually let's do our entire concert. Yeah. Um, so Bowie's your headliner and then who are your special guests? Well, uh, it's not Freddie Mercury because right. you know it was going to be, but then they made the Gotti of film for him, uh, which I refuse to watch. Yeah, uh, as well you should. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know my headliners, you know, posthumous reputation is unstained. Ugh. Just wanted to say that. Much. <laughs> I mean, didn't he have sex with like a fourteen-year-old though? Uh, I mean. Probably, yeah. Yeah, probably. That feels better. Are we going to do that for the music industry? Because <laughs> right, right. we're we'll going to be, be here all, all, all out. Uh, well, as we right. said, I'm going to be here all day. But yeah, let's, let's, so, let's preserve the podcast. Yeah, uh, special guest number one, uh, someone I think he could collaborate with and the best concert I've ever attended is Radiohead. Yeah. Okay. So I would definitely yeah. want to see Radiohead. I actually there. wondered if this wouldn't be your headliner when I saw this question come up because I remember how much you loved it. It was thing. Radiohead right. until I realized that I was unbound by time. Right. And I could do like a Bill and Ted yeah. sort of thing, uh, which I didn't go back and get Beethoven or anything like that. But No, because we had, we had Bowie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, what else and we also I'm a trash person. I don't listen to classical or understand. Totally fair. <laughs> uh, so back to pop musicians that I could pull from all of human history. Uh, I'm going to pick Regina Spector. I really like her as I a singer. I love that pick. Songwriter. I think she could collaborate well. I yeah. think you could have like a like a group uh, dueling piano thing at the end there. Uh, I, I'd be interested to see it. So I, She has one of the most like unique and fun voices of anyone I've ever yes. heard in my entire life. Um, okay, headliner for me, Queen, because obviously, because that's how this was always going to go. Mm-hmm. It, would be, it would be original lineup Queen. The eternal battle. Right, yeah. But then the question becomes, who do you put on stage with Queen that doesn't just get crushed by the sheer force of will that is Freddie Mercury? Who can even begin to sing like that or stand out like that on that kind of stage? And who would make for good music with them? It doesn't matter because Queen wouldn't allow it because it's really a Queen movie, not a Freddie Mercury movie. That's what I hear. Uh, (laughs) So special guest number one. Uh, Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine, uh, probably the most incredible voice I've ever heard. Um, some of the best albums, some of the best songs. And also she just seems incredible. I've seen her live two or three times now. And every time I'm kind of in awe of what she can do on a stage. And I think you need whatever that is to be able to stand up there with Freddie Mercury. Uh, special guest number two. So this is a later addition to my life, but I, there are very few things which have hit me as hard. as this band has hit me, Um, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, so Paul Janeway, their lead singer in particular, I would put him on the stage uh, because he too has one of those transcendent where did that come from voices, and he can do it in a variety of different ranges, and that's the other bit here. When Mercury's doing the crazy Mercury shit, you need someone else who can do crazy shit also to get up there, to get around there, or, or to at least participate, and Paul Janeway has whatever that thing is. So, Queen... Florence Welch, Paul Janeway, and the best three hours of your entire life is how I feel about that. You know, I think uh, one alternate for at least Florence would be, I think Amy Winehouse would be. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Maybe maybe in like the same yeah, vein. Yeah. Like, holy yeah. hell, where'd that come from? Yeah. Um, and and kind of have that bravado that could get yeah. up there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, Rob. Unbound by time. Unbound by time. I didn't know that, so I'm actually changing it right this second okay. from, from my initial thing. Here we go. 
Uh, but someone who was going to be in this lineup, regardless of whether I was unbound by time or not, is Chelsea Wolf. I don't know. I'm unfamiliar uh, with Chelsea Wolf. She is a genius. Okay. And I love her. Okay. And <laughs> this all sounds good. Uh, if you like Florence Welch, I do. But you thought, what if way darker? Oh. Um, oh. Still super beautiful. Huh. Like she has an amazing soprano range, but the arrangements over the course of her career advanced from like a very experimental noise folk to something much darker and more brooding and almost uh inflected with almost a doom metal tinge oh, to it that's a lot <laughs> uh without her voice changing whatsoever wow. and it the contrast is amazing wolf spelled like the uh the animal w-o-l-f-e oh yeah definitely okay uh like gene wolf okay uh, but anyway um i would start with her she okay. would open the show way better singer uh, than tom wolf because <laughs> normally you or want Virginia. somebody who comes out there and like gets a ton of energy and engages the crowd and right. stuff right away yeah. fast upbeat stuff i would rule that she is the exception where the ethereal mm. mysterious enigmatic quality of her performances uh and arrangements are such that instantly it's like you're in church oh uh no one's going to be on their phone no one's going to be paying attention right. to anything but exactly every single then tiny I'm not action, church. <laughs> uh, that she's doing and I hate to tell you and so that's how i would start the show sure i would then transition into something more energetic and deeper and darker still with behemoth as my second group uh that is my favorite deeper and darker uh, mm-hmm. extreme metal band mm-hmm. uh they've gotten significantly better in like the last five years despite already being my favorite before that oh wow um and you'll be wrung out and exhausted uh at the end of their set good and then the main event that's what you want uh mm-hmm. in a good way uh a, a good behemoth show is a lot like good sex um but <laughs> i wouldn't know i would <laughs> i would i would then leave that alone <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 don't <laughs> if you hear a door it's me leaving yeah uh the main event though because of the time thing would be Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Oh wow! Directing and conducting the finished version of his Requiem because I'm unbound by time. I can give him time to finish it before he dies. Right. Oh. You get the whole thing. Uh, it's already with Salieri's uh, contributions. My favorite classical piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the deepest and darkest of classical music. And had he been able to finish the couple of movements that were just sketches at the beginning, one can only imagine. Uh, what that would be like and and you can see the two uh, other guests serve to drag you into that existential <laughs> space to open you to it sounds like a real fun time uh yeah. and and, <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. and then it and then it hits right. and uh and and everyone is comfortable with dying if rob invites I you to a concert like just pump the brakes so many questions <laughs> right 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 like is the is the audience gonna be down for all of that. Uh, so I don't care. It's, it's just me. End, it's I a self-selecting crowd. Also, also, like I'm thinking of the audience for a Behemoth show. How are you going to prep Mozart for that journey through time? It's going to be very the, scary. The, the, the Venn between extreme metal and classical listenership is way more circular. I, than I understand, but the, the looking like the audience is not a Venn diagram. They are two very right. different. He's going to think the Goths came back. I, like I, I, I think the thing is Mozart is down. Like we can talk to him about it, and he'll be he'll be good. Like I All think, right. especially when we're giving him the opportunity to listen, literally listen, come back Mozart. from the dead and finish his. <laughs> Hear me out. 
Hear me out. He was not above doing things commercially when it was if available. He, if he, had, so. he didn't have access to electric guitars, he, we don't, he might have been a metal guy. Yeah, he might have been really, really into this it. This is just turning into <laughs> Queen of the Day. Right, right. I like, that, I like that both of you are now... You should know something. You, you've listened to enough of this that you know if, if you're yeah. on Ross's side, you're on the wrong side. So the, <laughs> This team up is not what you were looking for here, sir. I'm not saying it wouldn't be an interesting concert. I'm just saying it would be an exhausting concert. But maybe that's what yeah. you want in, in that moment. You want to feel drained by whatever you just got. And I get that. Um, hey, we'll be right back. We're going to grab some beer. And on the other side, we'll be doing Ginting Literature, which is your number one vote getter. Spencer. What are you drinking? So this is from Rheingeist. We it's, had a couple of those. Yeah, it's a Bubbles Rosé Ale. Um, it's an ale with apple, peach, and cranberry. Um, mm. And uh, so like, uh, who is it? Crooked Stave has a petite sour rosé that I've really gotten into. So if this is anywhere in that vein. I don't imagine cranberries in rosé, though. Yeah. Uh, this very... is also from Rob? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Out of Scentsy. This is a go-to for me at home. Yeah. yeah. He is drinking it. Yep. Which is a very fine pink can. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Very light. Refreshing. Mm-hmm. Could drink a lot. Has a juice box taste to it, and I don't mean that like in a in a negative way. Like it has the effect of drinking. Who doesn't like, like a good juice right, box? Drinking really delicious fruit punch. So is it more like a cider? To us? Um, no, it to, doesn't. To me, it's like the He's crazy love child of uh, beer, cider, and wine. Like huh. there's there's elements of all of it in there. Interesting. Oh, I'm not excited about the wine part, but I'll give it. Uh, you know what? I was. It's it's in the back. It's in the very back of the throat. Everything on the front end is like really nice, sweet, light drinking fruit punch. Um, it's probably we can't figure out how to give it to Ross, and so watching all this hands like a child moving around these computers is like one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen. Um, it's probably a four. I think on I think on a hot day that might be a five for me, and I could drink seven of them. I also like it yeah. better poured into a glass and yeah. like breathe for a second. Here's the one thing. Here's why it's probably not a five for me. It's doing so many things that I like that I'm not sure that it's doing any one of them enough. So Fair. it's like really light and sweet on the front, tart crisp. You have that like apple on the front. Then it gets a little sweet, um, like juice box sweet. And then it gets a little like wine in the back. And if it would pick one a little bit more, I, this is a really good beer. Yeah. yeah this is very and drinkable. And it's cheap and it's at my Kroger. Even more important. Um, <laughs> availability uh, is becoming the most important beer ability. Vape tricks. Um, Caleb, we're into getting literature where we talk about books. It was the number one vote getter. And what is the topic? So Sebastian Lindbergh asks us to talk about in getting lit. Why is there so, why is there in standard fantasy setting with elves and dragons and stuff? Why does it always look the same in every book slash game slash movie? I think it's a good question. Mm-hmm. I, first, I want to call out Sebastian Lindbergh. I'm I'm pretty sure that Sebastian is the one who's been posting Kenneth Burke memes in the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. And nothing has made me happier slash sadder uh, <laughs> than Kenneth Burke-based s'mores themes. So thank you, and also, blech. Um The lady and the tiger. That's right. That's right. As to this question, I will leave it to the three of you to determine why the standard fantasy setting. I'm the least knowledgeable person on this topic. Go. 
You're what? You're uh, deeply into fantasy. I don't, I, Look at you. I'm into it. Yeah, I'm into fantasy things. But like, I think all I would do here is like talk about the fantasy things I would like. Well, let me tell you about the two towers. <laughs> and I just, I don't really feel. I, I know very little of the the um, iterations of that genre. Milieu. Right. Yeah. Nearly as much as the rest of you who write in that genre, play in that genre all of the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the major, the, the biggest ones I think would be, uh, C.S. Lewis's Narnia, uh, uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, uh, and to a lesser degree, Conan, and then of course, Jack Vance's The Diner Trilogy, all leading to Dungeons and Dragons, then Dungeons and Dragons leading to, uh, numerous video games being based on it and that sort of pr- proliferating. Yeah. Uh, uh so, yeah. Tolkien was a big deal. Um, as yeah. is pretty clearly obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also pulling from the uh, same myth structures a lot of these people are pulling from. Mm-hmm. So Tolkien um, was a big deal. Yeah. It's like my favorite Caleb statement. Like, yeah, Tolkien was a big deal. I mean, he was. <laughs> right. Uh, and they're all pulling from this, uh, you know, very similar myth structure. So, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard, writing, writing tends to be very white, especially historically. Um, and they're pulling from these, you know, deeply European, Scandinavian myth structures. And so when you're coming up with like fantasy creatures, a lot of them end up being elves or different versions of elves or dwarves. elves, but a different name <laughs> or Scotsman, aka dwarves or, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, pulling from that. And then it is, uh, I, I think as Ross says, it is sort of a reinforcement loop. You right. have that that inspires D and D, which inspires video games, which re inspires D and D. Which re-inspires a bunch of novelists that are like writing anime, right. the endless fantasy setting, <laughs> um, and then uh, it's tr- it's become sort of a uh, self-reinforcing loop um, because that there I think there's fantasy as a literary genre, and I think in that you can put like uh, Lauren Bukes's Zoo City, urban fantasy, cool stuff that pulls from a lot of uh, mm-hmm. African and Voodoo and West African uh, myth structures. I think you can put China Mielville, the or New Kruzan trilogy, in there, which is so fucking far away from Tolkien. It is a mind trip, and it's great to read. I think that is fantasy as literature, although we often call that stuff like weird fiction now or urban fantasy, and give it different names. But you know, traditionally, if you're talking about like Lord Byron like level stuff, like that is fantasy. Like, yeah, it is in that. But there's also the fantasy as the word is commonly understood. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. genre is swords and knights and kings and monarchies and dragons and spells and. Uh, yeah, it was also yeah. the King Arthur uh, cycle and uh, sure. all the numerous Well, that's certainly adaptations fed of, into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the same mist. It's all pulling from the same uh, structure. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, would, I would single out D&D as the inflection point. This is the point at which, like, oh, my pig has a slight cold into a swine flu epidemic. Yeah. It's when it jumped media yeah. to me hmm. that, like, mm-hmm. it became a thing that could sustain itself and constantly mutate and get into everyone's mm-hmm. brain, not just in the reading sphere. Yeah, the first wave of computer games, like Rogue and, like... Heavily old, yeah, D&D. Yeah, very, uh, yeah basically inflected. entirely D&D. And then when it got to Japan... Then the Japanese started making video games that then were brought back to America. <laughs> and right. then, like, that's what kids, you know, eight year old kids were playing Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. Yeah. And that's what they knew. Right. And then they, and then, of course, you have also in fiction, people like creating novels based on their D&D campaigns. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there was a, there was, whether it was coincidental or not, when it jumped from one medium to another, mm-hmm. it really exponentially grew in virulence. Mimetically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, I think, why there's a standard, so to speak, 
fantasy setting right because that is the setting that happened to start making those rapid jumps and like accelerated evolution i think actually we're kind of seeing that with lovecraft uh though we're a little earlier in the process because i do not think the you know trickle down of cosmic horror getting into tv shows and video games is due to that Mm -hmm. old racist purple ass prose i really think it is due to sandy peterson and the call of cthulhu role playing game Mm -hmm. sandy Sandy peterson greater than hp lovecraft i Mm -hmm. feel like that's something we can just say yeah yeah uh so i think we're kind of in the midst of that sort of reinforcement loop because now people are writing cosmic horror um in in a variety of ways and it is sort of self-reinforcing at that point and marginalized people are reclaiming it out of spite yeah the best thing ever yeah uh (laughs) and it's becoming uh you know much bigger and 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 that's that's, that's also happened in you know your traditional fantasy settings. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You know mm-hmm. they're you know they have gone um, far more multicultural, even though they are you know in the trad fantasy dragon magic wizard yeah. Yeah. monarchy mm-hmm. stuff, still largely pulling from that. But don't confuse all of fantasy for that. That is just going to be I would call it a subgenre, or perhaps even a misunderstanding of the literary term of the genre. Hmm. Um, because there's a ton of fantasy out there that is not beholden to token. Right. Right. In fact, right. specifically actively seeks to avoid being beholden to any of that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is really great to read. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is the minority by far. Yeah. And if you just walk down a bookshelf. What are the, yeah, when you mentioned Lovecraft, like one of the things I find most interesting is how when people say it's a Lovecrafty and like game is specifically, it's not just there's Cthulhu. It's like. It's in the 1920s, and you have a Tommy gun. Like there's there's uh, there's video games and other things that mm. are all entirely based on it being a 1920s. You're a private eye fighting cultists and shagas, right? And that's entirely, I think, due to the Call of Cthulhu RPG. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, thanks for the question so much, and we hope you enjoyed this terribly scholarly reading of mm. what has happened to the yeah. fantasy genre. Uh, yeah, that's how I would describe Mouthfeel. it. Mouthfeel. Yeah, we, we are in our smoking jackets. Uh, smoking that's exactly pipes. right. Yeah. We, we all have seven pipes on us. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, we'll be right back with Ask Mixed Six and one more beer. Rob, what are you drinking? From Crane Brewing, I am drinking a Gooseberry Goza, which is a Goza-style ale uh, brewed with gooseberries, bottle-conditioned. Mm. Mm. That's how I like working my, out in there. My bottles and getting my conditions. Yeah. Just getting rubbed on. Doing mm. its New Year's resolutions. Yep. Doing some focused, strategic training for Masseuse. an upcoming task. In the bottle. Kind. Yes, yeah. in the bottle. Right. Yeah, yeah pre-bottle condition. You faintly you... hear you're the best around playing in the bottle. <laughs> Just as it montages. Right. <laughs> yeah. Gotta have that montage. <laughs> yeah. Um, how are we feeling? This smells berry AF. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, like Go- probably gooseberry. Berry yeah. good. Really, really hey, not, not an ambiguous fruit smell. No. It's a, what is, this is made out of What is a gooseberry? Smell. Like, did they name it just like... Because they saw a goose eating it. I would like what's that one called? Yes. I don't know. Gooseberry. I, I'm gonna go Rock. with that. That's actually how a lot of things are named. <laughs> right, right. Ross, you know a lot about a lot. Why is it called a gooseberry? I uh, actually, that's the plan. I'm, I only know more about animals. So. Uh, this no, is I, a. This I could Google sour it. Sour fucking goza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they lean in one to five. Four. Damn. Uh, All right. That's really, a mark. It's really good. You like uh, the sours? It has. I do like sours. Uh, there's a slight saltness to it, mm-hmm. which may just be like the extent of harshness of this. That's probably the goza quality. Most of their gozas have a little bit of like a salt, uh, like back on them for mm-hmm. some reason. Yeah, they, yeah. they definitely it might be the water. Actually, uh, it does. It it's not unpleasant. No, I agree. Uh, it adds a little bit of depth 
there's a little extra je ne sais quoi. I agree. Uh, with that. So it's uh, it's floral, fruity, sweet, then super sour. Yeah. With a little bit of salt on the back, which makes you want to drink more. I like most of those things. Yeah. Um, well, that's good to know. Hey, we're into Ask Mixed Six and Alex Bauer, uh, newest member or one of the newest members of our Discord, I believe. Hey, Alex and Peter, hope you're doing well. Um, Alex asks, What's, what are foods, say three of them, that have deep elements of nostalgia for you? Mm. So I, for one, am very excited to talk about food on this podcast, something I've never tried. Yeah. And I look forward to a warm welcome to Get my hot there. takes on what kinds of foods. Okay, so I'll start. Because this, this historically has gone well. We're going to round robin this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go one at a time. Right. Now, here's the, here's the bit before you all jump on me. Just put your fingers down and quit typing. Okay, assholes? You don't need a preamble. It's already done. What I'm about to say isn't, isn't objectionable. <laughs> oh, my one more. You cannot disagree that this food has nostalgia for me. So here we go. Um, first one. Uh, tuna, uh, tuna helper. You know the box tuna helper foods? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a... a Fuck, what's it called? Like tuna casserole variant. Um, and I, w- growing up, we would eat the shit out of that. Here's the thing. I really dislike tuna hmm. and especially canned tuna. And so we would just eat tetrazzini. So we would just eat the noodles and the sauce and it was fucking delicious. <laughs> and so like I walk down an aisle of a grocery store and I see tuna helper boxes and I think to myself, if that wasn't more sodium than you're supposed to have in 10 years, <laughs> I would buy 11 boxes of that right now. So that, that, that food has nostalgia for me. Rob? Makes sense. Uh, for me, it's going to be Otoro, uh, the fatty tuna su- fatty tuna sushi. Say that three times wow. fast. Very different than boxed yeah. tuna noodles. Uh, this, <laughs> so, yeah. is, this is because I have not eaten meat in like 13 years. Oh. And that is the best meat-based thing by far that I have ever tasted. Uh, and so when I think about what it was like to eat the flesh of animals, right. that's like the top of the scale of what that could be way back when, uh, and I'm sure with time, it just becomes more and more, uh, mythical. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It does. Caleb. Uh, uh mine is going to be pork rinds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> High school. This feels like football, Caleb. Nope. Really? Uh, my parents, uh, I don't know how it got started. But they uh, would put in my stocking pork rinds every year. Really? So for me, pork rinds taste like Christmas because I'm a normal person. There you go. I'm a normal person that had a normal upbringing with normal parents. Are we just going to title the episode Pork Rinds Taste Like Christmas? (laughs) That's not a bad choice. I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. Uh, Ross? Um, It's not one specific food, but hot pot. Uh, So... Um, I remember one particular, uh, years ago I was out on the East coast visiting relatives and my brother and my mother were there as well. And my brother wanted to show, uh, some of my older relatives, like what hot pot was and how, cause you know, they, they'd never had it before. So we went to an Asian food, uh, grocery store. We got all the ingredients and we made, it, it was like a really nice night. Uh, and so anytime I have a hot pot, I remember yeah. that night yeah. specifically. So I, I really want to try something like that. Like I have a lot of interest in it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to make it, but if I could find one, that would be great. Um, number two on my list, also from my childhood. Um, we had a lot of like easy to make meals when I was growing up. Cause mom worked like, you know, 12 hour days, um and it was just like what can we get home what can she make and then we can like start watching movies like big trouble in little china or it or whatever um so also on my list um rice aroni uh rice pilaf mm-hmm. and here's the trick you you need to also make uh microwaved peas out of a can very young small sweet peas 
lasseur, if you can find them, and you'll need saltines. So you make the rice, you microwave the peas, you put some peas, not a lot of peas. You don't want to, you, you want a good rice to pea ratio, probably like, probably like six or seven to one. And then you're going to want saltines because you kind of eat them like, uh, like hors d'oeuvres. You if just, anyone like, was dip. wondering if Spencer was drunk yet. Right. You just dip the crackers <laughs> in there and make yourself a nice little uh, rice and pea uh, cracker, cracker bed. I'm learning that we both were raised in food deserts. Yeah, and it's interesting. <laughs> right. I thought I was just me. No, yeah. Oh, okay. I, that's, right. This is the stuff I grew up on, and I'm better for it, probably. <laughs> uh, Rob? Uh, I would say a specific Thai red curry. Uh, I used to work at a Thai restaurant when I was a teenager. It was one of my first like real jobs Mm -hmm. uh, where I had to work really actually fucking hard. Uh, And you would get a comp meal if your shift was long enough. And the chef there who came here from Thailand uh, sort of he and I got into a thing where he was going to see if he could kill me with how hot the the, uh, curry was because I'm very much a spicy food aficionado. Sure. Uh, And he just made me some of the best fucking curry Ever. He did eventually defeat me. Right. Uh, he eventually figured out a way. It's going to happen. To, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you're really playing against the house. There, <laughs> right. And it's not going to work <laughs> you out for keep you. keep waiting, but. Uh, Scoville's go a lot higher than your But yeah. Right. Uh, shout out to Ake Waratop. Uh, really, really, really good chef. Uh, and very, very good curry. Which reminds me curry. of that time uh, in my life where I had so much enthusiasm and belief in the possibility of things <laughs> being good. Because of red curry. Uh, Caleb? mcdonald's chicken nuggets yeah yeah <laughs> yeah definitely that's a good follow-up right I, I yeah feel, i don't feel out of place here <laughs> wait till you hear my third one i feel, feel real much better. i just feel super normal right because yeah. i mentioned regular. how normal i am right Aww. normal you're yeah. actually probably more normal than we are keeping it point. normal yeah you that's actually a very normal answer. hey normal yeah. Yeah. i didn't i didn't start ordering chicken nuggets until way to i was always a, a number two value meal guy two cheeseburgers and fries so i didn't get into chicken nuggets till way later uh, it was the first food I would actually eat outside of my home, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the only food I've eaten since, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. if it's not the pollo con queso mm. at Old Mexico, yeah, right. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Then I. Uh, but yeah, chicken nuggets. Yeah. Really good call, uh, mm-hmm. Ross. Uh, deviled eggs. Uh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my hot food take: deviled eggs are the fucking worst. No, my mom makes really good deviled eggs. I'm every, sure she does. Every, good for her. They're they're probably great. Deviled eggs as a category are awful. No. Is is your third going to be corned beef and cabbage? And you're just like that guy, the worst guy at the, the party. No. Foods. Like, hey, I'm here. We know, Ross. <laughs> we smelled you two miles ago. God. I just, I'm sorry. Eggs have limited preparations, and deviled. Is anyway, not one I'm of them. sorry we interrupted. No, it's just every Talk time we had like a family dinner or something together, she would make deviled eggs as appetizers before, like she'd bring out the turkey or whatever. So, like, uh, yeah, just have yeah. a lot of nostalgic memories. I have over. seen you order some Scotch eggs at a bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Scotch egg at Farmer's Gastropub over on Glenstone mm-hmm. is good. Like, real good. So, listeners, if you're in Springfield, Missouri. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shout out to Stuart Lipscomb for getting me to try this, because it was fucking delicious. Um, third on my list, uh, and also a boxed food. Um, we used to we used to subscribe to the Schwann's Delivery Service. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Man, the Schwann's truck. That Schwann's just truck. bust out that door. It was like a fucking ice cream truck. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, Schwann's guy's here. Um, anyways, the Schwann's guy, he would sell, uh, beef goulash in little microwavable tens. <laughs> and I'm telling you, <laughs> oh, that's so fucking Jesus. gross. I'm telling you, there They're was giving a, me shit over right. devil, homemade devil eggs. Well, Ugh. yeah, but you, you picked objectively a terrible food. So what happened is I would, I would. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as opposed to Swan's 
beef goulash. Instant beef. Oh, yeah. God. Out of that chunky fucking truck that is like maybe objectively the worst color of yellow. Yes. The worst color of yellow. <laughs> the jaundice. <laughs> oh, so so unhealthy looking. So uh, what we would do, my grandpa would microwave one for me. And then when I got old enough, I would microwave one. Once I learned the complex machinations of a microwave. <laughs> Uh, and then here's the trick to the sh- to the to the Schwann's beef goulash. You also need white bread because then you can put it on the white bread and you got yourself a little uh, like like sandwich. You Why was all your childhood food like you were super drunk and high? Why aren't you as fat as me? <laughs> I have so many fucking questions. Oh God, God damn it! Well, uh, I have no words now. I mean, <laughs> if you guys want to come over, I'll happily make you a three-course meal of just deliciousness and sodium. Uh, that was taking me nice restaurants and shit, but we both grew up right. eating like trash. Yeah, actual garbage. Damn, just we were raccoon people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So uh, good. Uh, You've Rob- abandoned your roots. Uh, yeah. I-, I have to quickly <laughs> slip in an honorable mention because your mention of the Schwann's truck it's a good just mention. brought right. back memories right. from when I was a tiny baby. Deep pull. Completely like out of the murk of my subconscious. Uh, the push-ups, like the ice cream oh, push-ups. Yes. Yeah. Where, where you've got the little plastic stick. The Flintstones the, push-ups uh, were. Woo. Cardboard tube that you 100. pull the, the cover off the top and you like push it up. And like yep. once you're done with it, you have to kind of scrape the pudding skin-esque yeah. end bit out, of out the of ice the, cream yeah. off of the little depressor. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's very nostalgic. But I think number one nostalgic food for me, also terrible. Big departure from like the like Tuna Asian, sushi. Asian-focused high cuisine stuff uh, is the kid cuisine microwave breakfast not dinner i don't know that i've had a breakfast in the 90s in the early 90s there was a time that there was this line of products for parents who just didn't want to try uh oh i had some kid cuisine nuggets yeah and uh so the one (laughs) specifically that i must the penguin and the polar bear the penguin and the polar bear yeah uh and the one that i remember specifically is the french toast sticks that you dip in the little bucket those were good Uh, they had great. kind of a springy outer uh, layer to them uh-huh, and fluffier uh-huh, on the uh-huh. inside. Way greasier than anything you should feed a kid. Mm. And my then you friend, dip it in sugar. My friend's mom used to like, I don't know, she got just those. She used to get oh, those. Oh, damn. And we used to have those when I did so sleepovers. So the Ooh, very first yeah. experience that I ever had in my life doing anything creative, basically, was writing little stories in crayon on the paper with the little lines that show you the middle of the line and the upper part and the bottom part of the line, oh, the yeah. little dotted line in the middle, yeah. on a lap desk, eating that while watching King Arthur and the Knights of Justice wow. on TV. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that's a that super, like, very clear, specific Vivid. memory. Yeah. yeah, this is what uh, Prost was talking about with the Madeline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that's number one. Yeah, for, yeah. That's, for sure. Yeah, kids cuisine deep cut cannot possibly get that anymore. They probably went out of business yeah, twenty years. They're ago. definitely gone. For uh, Caleb, violations. mine's a it's like a three way tie. But I I really like old people desserts like angel food cake. You really do and divinity, and it's because my grandma used to make them, mm-hmm. uh, and they tasted really good. But she was also very bad at making them because mm. she was getting older. So, mm. like, mm. Divinity is supposed to hold together, and hers was more of, like, a soup of sugar. Mm. So, like, I'll, like, melt some Divinity just to, like, like Grandma make used it like to grandma? make. Make uh, Pour one out for so, Caleb's Grandma. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Angel food cake, especially, just really takes me back. Yeah. Ross? Uh, I actually have a tie between um, two things. One, 
Uh, it's actually a dessert to uh, rum cake. Again, uh, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. my mom would make yeah. that for uh, my birthday. Uh, and then two would be Paul Newman's uh, like marinara, like the the so good the yeah, Newman's yeah. own. Yeah, yeah, Newman's so own. So yeah. good. I get that today. I yeah, do yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, like I, I would, like when I was learning to cook, like that that's what I would make is like you I know have that boils, shit in the spaghetti. Cabinet. Yeah. It, Pour in the sauce and oh, they, they, yeah. so they do the eggplant one that's like the best. I haven't tried the eggplant. I I won't. We're like if they don't have Newman's marinara, <laughs> we're, we're, not, like, we're not having pasta. That's right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. totally. So yeah, those uh, are my occasionally two. I we make just a went low carb. Right. <laughs> the grocery store decided this for us. I occasionally like try other pasta sauce, and I'm like, what is this spaghetti yeah. bullshit? <laughs> once you tried, once you tried, you, you see Newman's beneficent face, right. you know, smiling on. Come you. on, Paul. You can trust that that yeah. it's going to be good. Like. Fuck Regu. Um, okay, Ragu. well, uh, we'll make you dinners, and they'll, well, Rob will make you a good dinner, and the rest of us will probably kill you. <laughs> Except so. I'll make Newman's own pasta. Well, that's like, true. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That was the second best poll, is how this all met about. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, we're going to get more beer. We'll be right back. Caleb, what uh, what beer is that? I am going to drink from Crane Brewing the Small Ball Saison, which is a dry hopped Belgian style ale, bottle conditioned with Bretonomyces. There you go, Bretonomyces. Yeah, I don't know if I said that. So right. it's, the, it's the Goku the, to this Vegeta. No, yeah, that, it's, it's doing it's doing <laughs> the chamber. It's yeah. doing those push ups. Yeah. That Brett yeast. Um, that's the thing which kind of gives a lot of the stuff we've liked. Oh, it's morally. a Brett. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a Brett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the small ball saison is out. I of, understand why they shorten it to Brett now. There you go. <laughs> uh, that uh, small ball is from Crane Brewing, not unlike Rob's last beer out of Raytown, Missouri, and it is a reference to the Royals World, Seri- World Series winning teams who were known for playing small ball. Just mo- advance the runner was kind of their mm. motto. So I've not had that saison. How is it? Um, I quite like it. It is very heavy on the saison flavor. That sort of wild yeast, wild ale flavor. Um, Give me that. Here's the thing. Breathe out pretty heavily after you drink it because it, it, it's not all there in the front end, but retronasally after your saliva gets after it, it, it really gets it in the nose. And I really quite like it after that. Yeah. I like that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I like that beer quite. That it's is complex. Yes. It's very good. There's a lot going on there. And I like almost every level of it. I'm not ready to call it a five. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I'm yeah, not ready to call it a five, but it's a definite four. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a it's a definite uh mark. I believe that that beer in a glass would be a five. Is what yeah. I will say. Yeah, if that, that's true. if that beer could if we drink beer good. like people actually like should drink beer, yeah. which we to be perfectly transparent, do not. No. Um, we eat peanut butter cookies before we do this Yeah, thing. and drink straight of the bottle like right. swine. And I wish I had some pork rinds right now cuz I mentioned them previously. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. But other than that, uh, my astute review is that is a four. Yeah, it's a five in a glass. What I'm are sure we talking about? Uh, hey, we're into your number two vote getter, which is this was a mistake. And Stephen Lee has asked Talk Radio, a public platform amplifying the voices of those least needing amplification. Need I say more? I tend to agree pretty much. Absolutely. No, no, this is me. Oh. After the quote. So oh. this is why I brought it up. This yeah. is Caleb editorial. Unclear. Well, you should read it then, because I've already screwed this up. Well, uh, anyway, okay. Stephen Lee said, Talk Radio, a public platform amplifying the voices of those least needing amplification. Need I say more? So I, Caleb, there, there we go. tend to absolutely agree, pretty much absolutely. But here's the thing. While I am okay doing a this is mistake on condemning pretty much all of Talk Radio. Right. 
Um, how's it different than podcasting? Hmm. Okay. Uh, advertising support. <laughs> I don't model. do right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And this might be the mistake. I remember like, yeah, oh, fuck God. those people. Right. Yeah. Fuck them. I hate them so much. And then I'm like, yeah, but. Oh, right. FCC regulations too. Because, FC, yeah, I can't say fuck them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't say Russ. I don't think like Rush Limbaugh would be improved with curses. Like, no, uh, it would actually be probably less filthy. Well, it's also um, demographics too. Like who, who's listening? So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't know though. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I know there's an age demographic though. Yeah, definitely but, an age demographic. But I also wonder, like, is it a price thing? Is it a classist thing? I don't. I, just, I do think there's an access thing. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I think that's part of the bit, which, yeah. which is any of the number ists that you can throw on it, 100. So, percent So here's the thing. Stephen Lee asked this question. Right. To me, it is so accepted as writ right. that talk radio is a wasteland to avoid at all costs that I could not think of a way to do a segment over, and I about moved on right. until my brain was like, but wait. Right. <laughs> People that, pay to listen to you, right? and you're basically a communist. Basically. Uh, you've got strong political beliefs. You rant about nonsense. Mm-hmm. You talk about Marvel movies mm-hmm. and make anime references. You're you're as weird as anyone comes. You're not like a crazy fascist right winger, right? But like you, you might as well be like one of the alien dudes in like his, uh, you know, pirate radio. The the guy who gives exposition in a horror movie. Like I, I might as well be that guy. Like that and, is uncomfortable, isn't it? Because, it is. Because, yeah, because it's very easy from where we sit to look at talk radio and say, okay. This is confirmation bias porn for the worst people on the planet. And and the basic premise of doing a podcast is doing do the exact same. Really similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I so I guess in some And here's way, the thing, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm the same as Rush Limbaugh. And No. And, and I don't To be th- clear, we would not be friends if you were the same yeah, as Rush yeah, Limbaugh. I don't think I'm the same as like any, you know, right. uh, Don Imus or Howard Stern or right. any of that stuff. Uh, but here's the thing, other than the politics, right. is that the line by itself? Because like if the, if it's just the politics, but it's not like the the message, like in, any other part of the medium, right? Uh, I I wonder what the difference is. Mm, well, I, might, I, mean, I might know something. Okay. Uh, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the means of production are slightly more centralized for talk radio. Oh, entirely. It, it, it's not centralized. It's it's not like. It's almost like as close as they seem in appearance, in aesthetic, I think that there's a fundamental difference because podcasts are anarchy. Podcasts at their worst are definitely just as bad as anything on well, talk radio, if not yeah. worse. Um, but at their best, they're like a completely different animal uh, altogether. So trying to draw a comparison might hmm. not work as That's well as you might think because – well. It's not engaging with the same structures yeah. to get made or distributed or anything. Let's just list some of the characteristics of talk radio. One, they are geographically bound. Like mm-hmm. you need an antenna and there are networks that will broadcast the same show. Across sure. The, but sure. even those have limited range. Uh, two, you cannot time shift it normally. It's on when it's on mm-hmm. and it's not on when it's not on. Mm-hmm. You don't like podcasts or you, re- you download and you play whenever you want yeah, to. Right. Yeah. Um, three, they're bound by FCC regulations. Right. Uh, four, they're, uh, supported by advertisers and by a financial patronage network of very rich people who want to spread certain, uh, a, a certain type of ideology, we'll say. And vitamin scams. Uh, and, yeah. and they can't say words like balls. 
I said FCC regulation. Yeah. Right. But yeah, right. yeah. Right. We just, no, I just very want clear. to be very clear that they can't say balls. Right. Okay. Yep. I mean, they can't say <laughs> balls if they're actually talking about balls. Like right. Balls. Balls. But like. <laughs> basketballs. <laughs> yes, basketballs. Right. That uh, would be acceptable. Right. Honorable mention for the title for this episode. <laughs> right. just balls. Just balls. Multiple times. The acceptable type of balls. Balls, balls, right. balls, yeah. balls, balls. Balls, question mark? Balls. So those. Um, and balls, also, I think in terms of the listenership, there's a massive difference in that, like, it's not just. Um, there is definitely a major age thing, but I think it's because the people who listen to talk radio are the kind of people who don't want to be bothered to care or even know about. They're not the people who are curious to know, oh, podcasts exist. I should find out what those are. Like, I have talk radio. I've had it for years. Right. I'm not going to learn something new. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's an important market force distinction here. Yeah. So, like, um, even if no one listened to and or paid for this, I'm not convinced that we wouldn't continue to do something like this. Like we wouldn't do it as frequently. Um, we certainly wouldn't do it with any level of quality, but like it's possible that we would like still sit around. We're drinking Bush light again. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 <laughs> it's um, fun to pretend to be important. Yeah. Um, so, and I, that's just not true. I think of talk, uh, talk radio demands some level or a talk radio personality maybe demands some level of popularity, which I think means there has to be consistency in message. There has to be ideology. And we could, we would persist without any of those things if we just chose to, because the means, because we're not bound to anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with this interpretation that it's not just the politics, but it's that the medium is the message. Right. Um, And so perhaps maybe if uh, owing to Ross's points of the technological differences in the things, maybe that the the fact that you're on this thing and you have to appeal to so many people just sort of lower common denominators you or it's sort of the attention um, uh, of these people that are very very light media consumers right. like because you never get beyond the well, radio and it's sort of like the attention economy of them and in order to get that you have to be extreme and like rob says podcasting is anarchy there is every left right up right. down black white right and Pick all between yeah. like every possible take on everything whereas mm-hmm. i think that um, I think, as Ross is saying, the medium sort of selects towards the most extreme example. And at that um, level of a la carte, where you yeah. can literally go get anything, you also have a higher engagement threshold because right. you you have to be willing to look, uh, which is fundamentally a different way yeah. of engaging with media. Than just turning than the dial just, on a radio. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing I, I should mention is also talk radio does probably, like a talk radio is on for four hours a day every day for uh, right. uh on on every weekday so yeah. that, that's like 20 hours a week yeah so that's 80 hours a month and we're doing like you know one eighth of that essentially yeah uh so i think they're so they're also ex uh so that sort of limits them in being super 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 topical yeah in terms of the the news of the day of the hour topical is not uh, a bit. I don't yeah know if we yeah. yeah and uh we don't have that ability to produce that much content right um and also also we would not, physically die just yeah, yeah. not the, full of shit enough right yeah, yeah. yeah. uh there's not the, enough beer the mix the mix six doubles are we're not Three hawking. Hours. Oh my god! And we're yeah. not hawking gold coins and one mattresses. More. The last so, yeah. one we did, I slept for like six days afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Interesting question. I'm glad. I'm glad that you came back around to it because it is kind of like an interesting thought experiment to try to parse those things. Um. And this is a good level of distinction. So thanks for the question, Stephen. Thanks for for dredging it up, Caleb. Uh. We've got one beer left, and we're on to drunk enough.
Spencer, what are you drinking? More more beer from Texas. Um, <laughs> this is the Austin Beer Works Pearl Snap German Style Pills. I don't love me a Pilsner, no Teddy, so I'm not feeling... You don't hate them, though. No, I don't hate them. They're, but they're if, beer. If the thing we got from Texas is any indication, Pilsner seems to be their ultimate it's what they do. form of flavor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, better than super IP, hoppy IP. Yeah, I haven't found anything above a Pilsner flavor. Like the uh, the Midwestern cuisine of beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here is a vegetable, a meat, and a uh, carb that are all the same. He went color. back in there though. Yeah, I kind of like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's got a nice. These cans do have good designs. Like they're very like kind of. Can I get in there? I kind of want to. Yeah, you, we've but, had good Pilsners before. I don't. But Little we, Blue Pills is good. I know, I know, but like, also all of these beers have been threes. The hardest of threes. That is a that is a light, crisp, good drinking version of a Pilsner. I uh, like a little bit on the back end. I do too. It doesn't have that like kind of skunky. You know you've had a beer. Right. It doesn't taste like saliva right. in your mouth. I, that might be a four for me. I like I, that I'd beer. give that a four. Yeah. yeah. If you said five, I'd slap you across well, then, the face. Hey, but right. yeah, four is acceptable. Uh, we've had yeah. three fours. Though. Yeah. Would you like to try this German style pills that, that is perfectly good? Um, <laughs> okay. We're into drunk enough. It's our last topic on this episode. Um, Caleb, what are we talking about? We are going to talk about, um, so we've talked about the death of the author quite a bit. We have. And uh, not being able to pinpoint a singular way to interpret a text. We've beaten that horse to death of the author. But here's the thing. Does the same go for... Sorry. <laughs> Burps. Burps. Does the same go for... Watch out now, FCC. The way a uh, text is consumed. Like, So is there yeah. a right way to listen to music, to drink beer, to read? Uh, and I'm talking about not the text, not your interpretation of it. How to engage But it. the physical engagement yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, because here's what brought this up to me. Um, I have been working my uh, balls. We're going to say it again. Balls <laughs> off. Um, I've been working them right off lately between work, between trying to get ready for the con season, between emails and uh, between writing stuff. I just finished a 40,000 word document. Like it's basically a novella. Also moonlighting as Batman. uh, Yes. Yes. Very, very busy. Uh, So um, I've just been crazy busy and I listen to music, but I'm often writing something like I write constantly. It's an email. It's a message to somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's planning an episode. Mm -hmm. It's the freelancing thing. So I'm at a point where um, I can't listen to thing that has anything that has lyrics in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm looking at my Spotify playlist, and it's all like techno. Right. Comtrues, and, and, uh, and mumblecore. And here's the other thing. I've written so much stuff to Comtrues right. that I've now Pavlovian trained myself yep. to, oh, I'm hearing um, Comtrues. Yeah. I'm going to write. Right. And so as I got later on this assignment... I literally didn't allow myself to listen to anything but Calm Truth. Right. And then I wiped out 20,000 words in a week. Yeah, right. that's me in the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack. Exa- oh, exactly. Right. That's, Silent Hill 2 soundtrack. That's not the way to listen to music, guys. Like, listening know. to the same no. thing over and over it's and over again not. to fucking Pavlovian train yourself. Like, that's fucking nuts. Like, no, you're not in not. a fucking social experiment. Like, <laughs> the, your handlers aren't turning it on and, like, the color of light and then measuring your emotions. I, I sort of like like music as performance enhancer. I don't know. What is this elitist gatekeeping here? I'm just saying, like, that's not a way to appreciate the way music has been written or performed or anything like that. I, If I met Comtruz as a person, I don't know what I would do. Because, like, 
yes, he has provided something great to me, but also I can't be happy about it because it means I'm right. working. Right. <laughs> like I've Pavlovian trained myself into using it's like this is the work song. Well, I'm trying go to go to work. Like, and then when I listen to music, like I don't even listen to music in the car anymore because I like it's the only time I have to read right. and like. I, he's not. He's not reading in the car. He's listening to audiobooks. Just so we're on the same yeah, page. Yeah, but the yeah, majority not on challenge. But the majority of my reading is through these audiobooks, right. and so like I don't have as good of engagement with text anymore. Right. So like, I I don't feel like I feel like Death of the Author is there whether you want it to or not, and right. I feel like this is there whether you want it to or not. But I don't feel like it is actually much like Death right. of the Author can lead to some just dumbass interpretations that right. are wrong and unhelpful to everyone. I feel like listening to music to Pavlovian trade myself to sit at the keyboard and sl- slave away is like a fucked up way to consider music. Mm, I like don't know. the no. the language of the soul. It's <laughs> like it's, it should be I, I've had engagements with music that were deeper and better and far more positive than that. But now I'm listening to like Earl Sweatshirt because like, oh, I can't understand anything they're saying. Right. Like, because like, but other bands I, I really like is right. just like, oh, well, now I can hear that lyric and run the jewels. Never play that again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about like music as appreciated before the invention of recorded music, then yeah, sure. But I think ever since the uh, invention of radio and like recorded music as a media, like this is how the vast majority of people do that. They just turn on the radio and listen to top 40 stuff, but it's essentially the same in practice as to what you're doing. It's uh, it's no surprise to me. No, I'm not dancing. Like I'm not. But no, people but at an most, office most will turn on the radio. Aren't. But yeah, I wonder. Yeah. But I wonder if it isn't the same thing. Like same song, different verse. To be topical. Like yeah. so. First, not surprised at all that you're troubled by applying the use value of things to ephemeral stuff. That 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 smacks of Caleb right in the face. <laughs> because that's what you're talking about here. Okay. Right? No. But here's the thing. We're beyond Adorno and Horkheimer now. Like <laughs> it's not. A, I'm not. I'm not wanting to go see fucking chamber music. Like it, there. There is a wide gap between like yeah. I have paid the symphony for uh-huh. me play for me and the duchess <laughs> and like what the fuck i'm doing like there is a big area of normal music listening that i have all but abandoned what is normal music listening to you what i did before what i've become <laughs> like i mean I, appreciating it actively instead of passively right? yes like that's exactly. a big part of so it so how is exactly. that different from the, the person who just turns on the radio uh while they're at an office working right i think that's the bit right Ooh, so yeah. well he's talking about music that deserves to be appreciated <laughs> that like okay so, see that's just elitism but, yes it is but, that's just but, gatekeeping at the end but of the i day, still used to listen to music actively but like, at the end of the day is there really uh, that much of a distinction between uh so i had the same ratatat i, I couldn't yeah. write my thesis without ratatat at some point mm-hmm. um is there really that big a difference between the only association I have between Ratatat and doing anything is writing? So Ratatat has become this, you know, stimulus, and this is the response, versus like listening to Coheed and Cambria when I was sad and I was 18 and I wanted to be sad, or Panic at the Disco when I was 19 and happy and I wanted to be happy. But here's the thing you guys are mistaken. I'm not thinking Count Truth is bad. I quite liked his music. That's where I started. That's where I started. But here's the thing. I'm. It, I like Earl Sweatshirt too, but I just can't understand what they're saying in, in most of the songs. But here's the thing: it's I'm not appreciating them as musicians anymore. Like you could play a song for me, and I wouldn't recognize it because I'm not typing. <laughs> like it's 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 like totally passive. Mu- it's music not for the purpose of music. Um, and like 
that that is where I'm at. Like I am at I'm I'm reading um I'm doing Infinite Jest right now, right? And yeah. I think it's yeah. a great book, but they can't do the footnotes. Right. So what I do every night is I have to listen to the audiobook and then when I read a book at bed before I go to bed, I catch up with the footnotes I missed, which is not typically how you're supposed to do it's footnotes. Not, not how footnotes work. Um and that's the thing. I'm, 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 it's not death of the author. It's the physical engagement with the object of the text. Yeah. And I have, I have completely changed my relationship to things that I have demonstratively loved and dedicated huge I mean, amounts of my I've life to. I've got a suggestion uh, that might make you feel a little less horrible about this whole <laughs> thing. Uh, two times a month when you know that you're going to have enough time to sleep. Uh, two or three hours. Seems bef- like a big ass. Two, two or three hours before it's time to go to bed. Like if you can, if you can make even at one and a half hours, Caleb, one and a half hours, just smoke marijuana <laughs> <laughs> and listen to two or three albums. Just from do track, drugs, man. From track one yeah, just to track just last. Just yeah. do drugs and yeah. appreciate them. Duh! You knew that's where this was going to end. <laughs> and just act- do drugs <laughs> and actively engage with it right. on a deep level and have that memory of that engagement carry you through and remind yourself periodically in that way how to actively aesthetically appreciate music right. and then you're probably not going to feel as guilty about well, using I, music for Pavlov and Pavlov. Well, alone. I would become very cool to the children in my classroom. Mm-hmm. I do think that would have a negative effect on my employment. <laughs> oh, do they, do they test you? It's what? what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, teacher. Yeah. yeah. That is that yeah. is some fucking garbage. Okay, well, Caleb, my suggestion to you is, uh, by the is way. to join some sort of lobbying effort right. to, uh, okay. to, to, yeah. to change Get a the license laws in Missouri. I mean, I, what I really thought about this was I got horribly sick. I got strep throat the other day and I like wanted to sleep and I but I like I couldn't I couldn't sleep at all because like there was such a pounding in my ears. Mm-hmm. I had needed to drown it out. So I put headphones in and I'm like, what am I gonna listen to to sleep? It's like, oh, cigarillos. Yeah. It's it's ambient. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? They probably don't like write and compose and record their songs exclusively for people that are dying of strep throat. Oh no, they do it for what I was f- just talking about before. <laughs> to fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. But that's what I used it for. I took a bunch of Benadryl and I went to bed and heard some Scandinavian wailing in the distance, like the hounds or something. Uh and that's that uh, that's what I used that for. I like, do think that I is... couldn't name a Cigarillo song if you put a gun to my head because right. I don't think I've ever been awake through a whole one. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, Caleb, the, the argument you're making also applies to other media as well. So, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, that's saying so you you can't appreciate Shakespeare because you're not watching it being performed at the Globe, and you're also uh, can't appreciate any movie made in you know the black and white era because you're not watching it on a theater. It, you know, it, you're watching it at home on your TV. No, no, but, but it's yeah. not mm. just that. I've gone so far afield. Like you know, the actors had to read Shakespeare before they performed it. There yeah. is something to be contained in the text. It's like I need to see Macbeth in order to play tennis. Like I, I just, <laughs> it's just it's a performance I've, enhancing. I, I, yeah. I didn't follow that part. Like, I, yeah. I've just like I've gone so far afield from. What I don't the think you have musicians of. understand how people use listen to music. But, like, but let me let let because because generally I don't think this is wrong. 
But let me let me offer. I don't know if it is either. I just yeah, worry. About let it. me offer a, a description to like okay. maybe. Uh, I think the difference here because like I'm struggling with this too. I'm not I'm, alone in this, I'm, right? No, because I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm like, well, that's not wrong. But I'm also like, no, I definitely have that. Whatever that is, like I don't know any of the names on LP. I'm friends with professional musicians and they go to shows all the time, right? And they watch people play and they listen to music and just listen to music, right? And meanwhile, I'm like, that's and their he's, job. But, they can afford. To but do I think that. the trick here is right, like, and um, he's and, and they're like, what have you been listening? listening to is like i don't know the same album on repeat yeah. as i type i mean <laughs> i don't think this is as much about a way a particular way of engaging with music being wrong i think this is more about you feeling both a sadness and a guilt for not engaging with music in a way that right. you used to yeah that you got a lot of value out of right and so i think that and finding and finding a, finding things. a controlled watching a show to, to not watch a show yeah yeah what is the office but a thing to not be perceived by most people we'll, we'll, I, we'll find out tomorrow night when we ask. i will put David it on it. because i've seen it 80 billion times right yeah. and then do something else that's but, not what you're supposed to do for a drama i think i think the trick here is that what you're describing is that the thing has now yeah, left the realm the, office, the thing office. has now left the realm of media it's not media anymore yeah it's stimulus i mean it it's it's intentional. It's purposeful. Terroir. It, it, yeah, it doesn't. It's it. It is nothing, right? It. It's not that the, your use of it is wrong. It's that your use of it means that it really, in a lot of ways, doesn't exist in its category anymore. You've pulled it out of there and you've made it something else completely. That I, resonates with me. It's not going to change the fact that I don't think it's a bad use of music. And I also have those things. I could not tell you the names of the tracks on LP4. I could just tell you it's the third song I listened to when I started writing. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, yeah, this one comes on third. And that's how I knew I was writing. Um, but no, I don't, think this, I don't think this is a problem. I, I think there is a death of how a thing ought to be engaged. And I think that um, you're using it in some ways. Very appropriately. I I would wonder if an author wouldn't be enthused to know that you've produced great works of the 21st century while listening to their music. Yeah. If you, I, uh, I mean, if you ask musicians 99% of the time, I think they would like, oh, the, the, the choice is, uh, would you rather have a lot of people, who, some of whom do the active listening thing and some do the listening in as a background thing versus like – uh, those people who do in background, they're just going to listen. They're not going to listen to your stuff at all. They want to have at least some people listening to the work, on, engaging in their work on some level. Right. So like, yeah. they, the the worst thing is for nobody to consume their yeah. work. I mean, I think I think pot or no pot, some sort of controlled occasional ritual to recapture that active form of engagement that you are feeling nostalgic about would make you feel a lot better. Yeah. Reclaim it, Caleb. Well, sure. Yeah. No yeah, drugs. That is a valid concern. No yeah. drugs. Yeah, yeah. Reclaim it. <laughs> um hey if or you've drugs. been it, I mean, you know because drugs well whatever um your choice uh be responsible um <laughs> if you've been listening to this uh welcome to the mix six if you've been here before thanks for coming back and if you've not been here i hope you liked what we did if you've been around for a long time but you're looking for more mixed six in your life don't worry we've got you you can go to our patreon page patreon.com slash the mix six or you can just look for the mix six podcast on patreon and there's a whole bevy of additional content back there including full episodes and short mini episodes like hot takes on ice and jury of our beers if you're not following us on twitter check us out at the mixed six you can also find us on facebook and instagram we're the mixed six podcast and don't forget to tell your friends about us also shout out to rob thanks so much for being with us talk a little bit about the orpheus protocol one more time the orpheus protocol is a long form actual play podcast of the orpheus protocol game which i have in development hopefully coming to kickstarter later this year in the spring if all goes well uh, it's one part actual play, one part audio drama. Uh, pretty 
pretty highly produced, but uh, definitely all the decisions are being made at the table. It is not a scripted uh, show. Uh, it's it's happening organically the way that you love those games at your game table. Super cool. Uh, and it is spooky and interesting. Bingo. So check out the Orpheus Protocol. You can find them on Twitter. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Wherever yes. fine podcasts are sold. That's exactly right. And one last bit, if you want to send us something, and many of you have lately, and thank you so much for doing that, feel free to mail it to the Mixed 6, 2131 West Republic Road, number 101, Springfield, Missouri, 65807. Once again, thanks for your time. It means the world to us. I'm Spencer. After we end this podcast, I'm getting in my car and going to go get pork rinds. Everyone needs to know that. <laughs> He'll listen to Infinite Jest on the way. He's Caleb, and this is the Mixed 6 Podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>